Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where your host, Alison K. Summers, is searching the globe to introduce you to cutting-edge thinkers and entrepreneurs whose stories will inspire you to innovate your own business life. Having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, Alison is taking her own experiences to help today's CEOs and professionals meet the ever-changing demands of the future of work. Now, here's your host, Alison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. This is Allison K. Summers. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We have a wonderful guest who's going to touch base on a variety of topics. He is an author, a speaker. Uh, he is also a writer. You can find his articles in Inc., Entrepreneur, Forbes, uh, just a very prolific and wonderful person. And what I love the most is he is a fellow passport junkie. So I would like to welcome to the show Gordon Treadgold. Gordon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Alison. My pleasure. So, Gordon, before we get into the heart of things, and I know you're going to give us some really fabulous insights on LinkedIn and on leadership principles and all of these things, but help our listeners know a little bit about your professional journey that got you to where you are today, where you help entrepreneurs and other uh, leaders. So, my, my journey as in, into leadership and helping people achieve results started when I was 10 years old. I, <laughs> <laughs> well there you go you were a young one <laughs> no but i, I think I, I think sometimes the lessons we learn you know we can learn them at any time and you know i, I played for a rugby team and at the end of the season you know we, we probably finished 50 percent. you know we won 10 games lost 10 games and we had a cup competition and we played in the cup competition and in our half of the draw were only those teams that we'd beaten. So we ended up getting to the cup final, even though we were a bang average, middle of the road team, look of the draw, we got to the final. And in the final, we played the team that had won the, that were the division champions and who'd beaten us 15-0 at our ground and 35-3 away from home. And we played them in the final. So we were, we were pretty... Excited to make the final, but then disappointed to realize we were going to get mugged by the, <laughs> by the best team in the league. And our coach, he just turned around to us and said, but that's not going to happen. And we were 10 years old and we said, why not? And he said, well, they're in the league, they're better than you, but this is the cup. We're an unbeaten cup team. We're just as good as they are. And, was, and you could see everybody, you know, kind of sit up a little bit straighter going, yeah, that's right. In the cup, we're unbeaten. And he gave us, he gave us all the plan and he told me, I played the equivalent of uh, tackle. And he said to me, I don't need to do anything but stand opposite their best player and every time he gets the ball, flatten him. You don't have to do, <laughs> don't do anything else. And he, and he gave us this game plan, uh, the, and we believed in it. And, and we actually won, that, we won the Cup 6-3. We went to a 6-0 lead. And, and the team that were playing against, you could see the stunned look on their faces. And that, that always stuck with me, that with the right leadership and the right approach, even an average team can be champions. 
and 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 that was that was why I wanted to be in leadership, and that's why I wanted to coach and help people. And it it started from that because as, honestly, we were an average team, but with that right leadership and guidance, we were able to put in a performance that won us the, the league. So when I started in corporate, I always looked for the difficult projects because if they fail, it failed because it was a difficult project. If you succeed, you're a superstar. Uh, and I started to build a reputation for being able to turn around failing projects. Uh, and, I, and again, doing that by looking at it and coming up with, you know, building belief in the team, changing, you know, breaking the rules a little bit, building confidence, giving the team a plan that they would believe in and then leading from the front to deliver that. And that allowed me to uh, rapidly, you know, go up the, uh, the chain and, you know, ultimately end up being a senior vice president for one of the most respected companies in Germany, leading a team of a thousand people, uh, you know, running a 300 million budget and, you know, driving performance and improvements of 50 to 500 percent all through that attitude of let's let's find a way let's find a way to be the best team that we can be on the day and deliver amazing results well and you know gordon what i love is you always talk about you know how to get things into the win column and and i know you also talk about the opposite about how not to fail how not to screw up and so give us just a few highlights from um, your book, Fast, Four Principles Everyone Needs to Achieve Success and Drive <clears throat> Results. So, so Fast is the approach that I looked to, once I started doing the turnaround work, um, I, I got to a point where I was a limitation for what I could do, and I needed to teach other people the same approach so that I could be a multiplier. And I ask myself, when I go into a project that's failing that I have to turn around, is there a process I follow? And there is. And what I do is I look to find out why it's failing. And it usually fails because of fast. There's a lack of focus. People don't know what success looks like. There's a lack of accountability. People are not clear about what their role is or do they have the tools to be able to do their job. There's a lack of simplicity. We have a world-class ability to overcomplicate and then there's or it's a lack of transparency and if you and i wanted to have a baby and we commit to anything less than nine months we're doomed to fail because some things have a predetermined amount of time and we have to understand that in order to be able to make a commitment and just because you want a baby in three months doesn't mean if we get three women instead of one woman it's gonna happen in a third of the time, it doesn't work like that. So FAST is about understanding what success looks like, who's involved, what do they need, how are we going to do it and do it in a way that is simple, like the rugby, my job. Just just hit the gap, just hit their best player. That's all you need to do. So clear, simple instructions, and then that transparency, knowing what's involved so we don't commit to something that's impossible. Well, and I think people who are in startup mode, or even people, as you, like you said, both you and I have gone through the experiences of climbing the corporate ladder. Um, I think, you know, focus is so difficult. And we've chatted uh, about this, just you and I, in our own let personal me, lives. Let me, tell you, 
So let me tell you about focus and startups. Where, because uh, you know we've talked about it before, and I do a lot of speaking, and every time I speak on fast, I always give the same uh, piece for startups, and it's and it's around focus. What is the number one reason why startup companies fail, and it impacts forty-two percent of them? Uh. Uh, clarity of mission no <laughs> direction to the people on the team <laughs> no oh it's, you're gonna make me look bad Gordon it's, it's no it, it's absolutely but it's because you're an intelligent woman so you're looking for an intelligent answer <laughs> and, it's, and it's not an intelligent answer 42% of startups fail because they are building a product or service nobody wants or needs so, oh, how disheartening. So now you're focused on something that nobody wants or needs. And I will tell you, it, you can make the best thing in the world, the shiniest thing that nobody wants, of the highest quality. It does not matter. You've done a great job, but you've done the wrong job, and nobody needs it. And 42% of startups fail for that so yes there's that focus of how do i keep my attention on the you know on on being on the business in the business but there's also are you doing the are you doing the right things do you have a viable product and you know 42 percent of startups fail because nobody wants what you're offering well and i i think you know adaptability or getting that that feedback in a in adjusting is is so important um you know and it's it's kind of like that uh that systems thinking of you have your you have your input and you have your transformation and you have the output but you need the feedback so that you can change the input again and go through it again absolutely and and for me within fast that's what transparency is it's the understanding what's involved but it's also that feedback loop yeah i'm on a diet at the end of the week, did I lose any weight? No, I put five pounds on. Or maybe, maybe the seven donut a day diet isn't <laughs> working. I need to throw some salad in there or, or something. Because we've got to see, are we, are we making traction or not? Because if we're not making traction, but we have to understand as well, because sometimes some things, it can be a slow start that builds up. But you need to know what's the expected progress and get that feedback loop. And if you're not expect, if you're not making the expected progress, then you've got to look to change your change your approach. Yeah. And Gordon, we're doing this call. You are based in Belgium right now, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. But you've also um, are a prolific writer, and you've written in publications that are all over the world. So, can you share with our listeners some about? Um, you know, one, where they can find you, which publications you're actively writing for right now. And, and tell us a little bit about how you translated from, you know, gaining all this leadership knowledge to wanting to share it and put it out into the world. So, well, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to help other people. And the other was I worked for a company where my boss told me that the results I generated were brilliant I sucked at leadership and he and he used my lack of leadership as an ability to downgrade me which was just BS and I saved the company 350 million and he and he ranked me the lowest of his staff because he said 
great results, poor leadership. So just to get my own back on him, I decided I'm going to become... <laughs> <laughs> he said some fighting words and Gordon took him up on it. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to become, I'll show you who knows about leadership. I'm going to become a world expert on leadership. And I just decided that I wanted to, to share because I found that a lot of the things I did in leadership were different to what were in leadership books. So I wanted to, I wanted to share it and I wanted to, I wanted to write. And the other thing I found about when I read leadership books, I think Stephen Covey's books are brilliant. I fully recommend them. But there's a lot of leadership books that I would read. And as a mathematician, so I'm quite smart, I would read them and I'd be thinking, I've no clue what this is about or what I'm supposed to do with it. So I decided that what I wanted to do was, I didn't want people to read it and think that I was a genius. I wanted them, again, this comes back to focus, I wanted yeah. them to read it and think, wow, I'm a genius because I understood that and now I could go do it. So it was all about making accessible leadership. So I started, I started a blog and I've written 1,400 leadership articles. Uh, you fact, are impressive, I, I, I tell you. It sounds like it, but it's only one a day for 1,400 days. <laughs> one, and they take, me, they take me 30 minutes to write. Uh, you know, I write 500 word blogs and I just... I just bang them out. And a lot of people um, on, on, on things like blogging, so we'll talk about the publications and things, but once you've, in order to get into the publications, you need to create a, a, um, a reputation for it. So you need to have your own blog to start with so that when you approach publications like Inc., Forbes, Entrepreneur, you have a catalog of work because there's a lot of publications, things like, Addicted to success, um, success.com, uh, fortune, sorry, not fortune, fastcompany.com. For a lot of those, you can pitch one article, and if they like it, they'll post it. And if you want to write for addicted to success, it's the person to write to is write, W R I T E at addictedtosuccess.com and you tell them a little about yourself, where you've written before, and then you include the article in the body of the email, not an attachment. Attachment, people don't open attachments. And, and you can do that to, um, and, and if, you, if you do some internet searches, you'll find out who the contact person is for fast company and success. You so know, they'll it's... Take single, I... They'll take single posts. But if you want to write for Inc. and Entrepreneur, there, they're looking for people who are going to be doing uh, an article a week as a minimum. And, and in, in, in Inc., there's a lot of people that write an article a day. So you've got to have a catalogue that shows you're not just a, a one-article person because they get too many people. They want, they want to sign up 10 authors who write 50 articles a month for them. They don't want 50 authors to be dealing with. It's... Now, it's too much admin. So create the blog yourself. And a lot of people used to tell me you should only, you should only blog once a week. Uh, the statistics show if you blog five times a week, you will get 300% more views per article. And secondly, a, a really good um, author on Inc., Jeff, um, 
oh, I forget what his name is now, Jeff, 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 Jeff. It'll come to me. But he said he writes every day because only one in five of his articles is good. Four out of five are okay. And as an author, you never know which is great. You know what you like, but you never know what's going to be great. And he said, if he writes an article a week, he's doing five a month. So he's only writing one good article a month. Whereas if he does five a week, he's now doing four or five good articles a month. So you've got to be putting that volume out. And it's that, it's that productivity that some of the bigger uh, magazines are looking for. And if you want to write for Inc, you can email them at, I think it's contributor or contributors at inc.com. <clears throat> and normally they'll respond with a, did you include this, 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 and this? And then you can apply back to them. And, you know, you want to start with something like addicted, start with your own blog, then start writing for addicted to success. It's a bit like boxing. You, know, you start local and you work your way up. You don't go straight for that heavyweight title. You've got to show mm -hmm. a, um, a progression. Uh, the other thing I do with writing now is on, because I, I write in the business area, I write a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, so I write a lot of articles on LinkedIn it as its own blog. It's free. But what you can do on LinkedIn, which is brilliant, is that you can join groups. And I'm a member of the uh, Harvard Business Review group, which has 1.3 million people in it. So every time I write an article, I now share it in the Harvard Business Review group. So I'm now putting it in front of 1.3 million. I'm a member of HR.com which has got 350,000 people. I'm a member of HR experts, HR coaches. You can search the groups. And every time I write an article, I share it with around five, three to five million people in groups. That's incredible. It's all, yeah, but it's, once you've written it, it only takes three or four minutes to share it with those groups. Yeah, I want to go back to something that you said um, that I also got a tip on, and that's you had said when you write these people to include everything in the body of the email. And yes. I was interviewing somebody recently about how to get to be seen as an expert for your local media, for your local TV uh -huh. or, or local people. And they said, absolutely, everything has to be in the body of the email, just like you said, because they said yeah. they might not even respond. You might say, I'm a, I'm a women's expert in business. And you put everything yeah. in the email and, and they said they might respond and say, thank you. They might not respond and they'll end up, they'll file it. But when they file it, it has to be searchable. And then they go back and go, yes, I had somebody who knew this and mm. they'll, they'll find it. Yeah. Did I tell you how I got my uh, TEDx talk in 42 hours? N no. Tell us that story. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. So, uh, and, and, it's it's relevant to what we're talking about. So when I I wanted to write for I wanted to do a TEDx talk. I hadn't, I hadn't, I'd applied for a few, but I'd never actually uh, got one. So I'd, I thought, okay, I'm going to write. I'm going to apply to do some TEDx talks. So the first thing I did was I did a search of the internet to find out are there any articles called Five Reasons, Seven Reasons Why Your Why Why Your TED talk application gets rejected so I went and did that so I went and did that research and what I found was that 
um, people get rejected for about five reasons. One is that um, our talks in two months' time, we're already booked. So there are, there are no available slots. You've approached at the wrong time. Um, it could be that, you know, you talked about it's women's business, uh, sorry, business women, and I want to talk about American football. So your talk doesn't fit. Even though they've got a slot, your talk doesn't fit to them. Um, it's another reason why people get rejected is because it's the same talk that you've done all the time. So it's not new. The people you're offering it to don't feel special that you'd like to do your talk for the 57th time at their TEDx. And then uh, one of the other reasons was it doesn't fit to the theme of what they're talking about. So I thought, okay, what I need to do is I need to look for TED Talks that are six to nine months out because those are the ones that have got people that have got open slots. I'd look for the theme, make sure I was appropriate. And then I used a technique which I'd been taught when pitching for articles. And that was I researched the person who was the um, organizer and he had a passion for um, wanting to help and coach and mentor people. So when I, when I wrote to him, I didn't say, hey, I'd like to speak at your event. I just, I just said, hey, Christian, uh, I, I see that you and I share a passion for coaching and mentoring people. I think it's fantastic that you want to give back and help people improve. And I share that same passion. And by the way, I've got a talk that I'd like to give at your event. And it was how to... How to um, going from impossible to possible. So then I said, I've got a great talk I'd like to write for you about how I can help improve and mentor people on how to go from impossible to possible. He wrote back to me within the space of three hours because I'd made it about him, I'd made it about his event, I'd made it about his theme, and he wrote back and he said, can we speak today? And I said, sorry, I'm busy. Can we do tomorrow? We spoke tomorrow, we spoke that next day, and he said, great, you're in. So when you're pitching, if you, if you want to picture a, a, a TV station and you know the presenter, I would write to him and say, hey, I saw your piece on, I don't know, the uh, Flint, Michigan water problem. I think you <laughs> really nailed it. Your points were brilliant, and I, I'm so impressed. And I'd love to be able to do a piece that I think you'd like on this. So you start off by talking about them, flatter them a little bit, butter them up. People keep saying flattery doesn't work, and that's actually incorrect. Yeah. Flattery, yeah. when work, work done well, works every time. Flattery, when it when you when it really feels like you're you're just sucking up, doesn't work. But you, you've got to be sincere and genuine about it. So. And if, so if I was pitching um, a magazine and I knew the editor, I would say, I saw this article that you wrote on blah, blah, blah. I loved it. I thought you really got the points. And um, I, you know, I really admire your publication. And I'd love to write an article. And in fact, I've included one in the body of the email. Boom. And there you go. So make that personal connection and then pitch it. 
I get pitched four to five times a day and always it's, would you like to listen to my story? And I just go delete, delete, delete. Because it's just, it's just a blatant pitch. If they talk about me, I go, oh, you know, we love your articles on such and such. And I start reading down and then halfway <laughs> through, you just say, that, oh yeah, they're pitching me. But, you know, but, but I've already opened the mail. I'm already nibbling at the, at the bear. So this is, this is how I would do it if I was going to pitch a radio station or, an, or a, um, a magazine for a one-off article. Well, and I want to talk about LinkedIn in a second because I think there's such rich information you have there for our listeners. But in all the things that you just talked about, I think it's important for entrepreneurs and startups and people who are trying to hustle their business to still be authentic and build authority in their space. Because I think you and I have spoken yeah. about that, you know, if you just try putting your product and your services in front of people all the time, you're not going to win. But if you can give somebody meaningful information and create value, then they're going to be like, oh yeah, I know so-and-so and they have this company and, and yeah, they do good stuff. So I, I, I run marathons. And when I lived in Florida, there was a, 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 a company called the Delray, Delray Reach Running Company. And what they used to do was they used to train people to run marathons for free. And they would give you coaching for free. And then you would be in their shop talking to them about the marathon you were going to do and where you were in the coaching. And then you just look across and go, oh. You've got some shoes there. Can I have a look at those shoes? So they didn't try and sell you anything. They, they, they helped you run a marathon. And then when you were in their store, you, you could just see all of the things that you needed. And it was, I, I watched, I wrote articles on this because it was absolute, I thought it was absolute genius that, you, that I'm buying and you haven't even tried to sell. All you've done is coach me and train me for running and yet now now i'm buying stuff and i ran a marathon in uh, palm beach and 10 of us ran in t-shirts that we bought in their store that said delray beach running company so we actually bloody advertised we actually paid money to <laughs> advertise for people that weren't selling us things and I so, think that's what all business people want. Yeah. Um, so uh, I read a really good uh, piece that said, you know, pitch four articles before you make one attempt to sell. So, you know, if you, if you want to be, if you want to be making them when you've got to ask, um, you know, but it, it shouldn't be more than 20%. That's, that's about where it should be. And you need to be, you need to be building that trust showing that value and then letting people come and uh, then say, what else do you have? Or, oh yeah, that looks interesting. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Well, let's talk about building value because one of the ways that, that you've done um, wonderful things is this, this piece about writing your articles. And, and as you've said, everybody can post an article on LinkedIn, even if you don't have a personal website or a personal blog. And, and you can share those articles, but you have had this, this wonderful accomplishment of having posted something on LinkedIn that had, correct me if I'm wrong, 350,000 views. Yep, it was, 
it was the most read business article in February on LinkedIn. 350,000 views. So give us a couple tips on one, how to grow your network and then how to get engagement on LinkedIn. I know it's a huge so, topic. We could spend two hours, but. No, no, no. I, I just see whether the, oh, I was going to put the light on. I'm just worried it's getting a bit, it is, oh, that's too dark. Uh, I'll stay as I am. I look better in the dark anyway. Um, so on LinkedIn, the first thing I would tell people to do, um, again, there are a million and one experts that know nothing. And people will tell you, you know, you should only post once on LinkedIn a day, blah, blah, blah. Um, but don't, don't believe me when I tell you what I do. Go and look at Gary Vanachuk. He is all over LinkedIn. And look and see how many times Gary Vanachuk's post. And I will tell you, he will have researched what is the optimum number of times to post, when's the right time to post, post what's the right kind of thing to post uh, and at the time when I was looking and I was doing like one post a day uh, and some and people kept telling me oh you don't do more than that don't do more than that and I kept seeing Gary Vanachuk come up in my feed over and over again and I went and looked and he's putting up about six to eight posts a day and if Gary Vanachuk's doing it you know it's researched and it's working Mm -hmm. So now I use the I use a tool called Social Jukebox, uh, and I, I've built a, a whole raft of content that includes my articles. I created images based on my articles. I and and I I, I post um, quotes, but I, I then put a little bit of you know I, I posted one the other day about. Um, uh, I can't remember. I think it was about leadership is about helping people, not helping yourself. And I and I put you know if you want to grow, you can become a leader and look after yourself and be quite successful. But it'll be never never be long term sustainable. Sustainable leadership comes from when you repeatedly help others to do better work and improve because they will always want to come back and work for you. If it's only about you. The people will see that and they will leave. So I put that in and around the quote and I post those kind of things. I post pictures sometimes that might be of me from when I was younger and tell a little story, blogs. Uh, and as I say, I post six to eight times a day as well as the articles. And this generates generates about three to 4,000 views a month uh, on, the, uh, on my profile in addition to all of the, the views on the, uh, the articles. And I, I would say that I average about two and a half thousand views per post now, something like that. Might be a little bit higher. And, and, and a lot of it is with comments as well, and I always reply to the comments, because if it's just a comment, it's not a conversation. For it to be a conversation, you have to reply back to their comment. And, uh, uh, a tip for you if you you can just write thanks and that's very nice but the algorithm is looking for five word comments so it's much better to say thanks I really appreciate your feedback because that will help trigger the algorithm and, and, and push that higher up the, the rankings and I think Gordon that that is such a gem of information on the algorithms because 
as you said, even if you don't want to write articles and you don't want to post articles, even if you just go mm -hmm. and engage and comment and make sure you're doing yeah. the minimum of five words, it's going to increase the amount that um, you even show up and you should connect with kind of posts. I, I tell people there's a formula for, for becoming an influencer and it's um, authority, which is about the knowledge that you have. Uh, so that's your content is your authority. Your credibility, which comes from any uh, accolades that you might have or you might be like yourself, uh, senior executive Zonta, or it might be that you write for Forbes or some of these things. And then the third part, which is the, the most important, is visibility. You know, if you're the world's greatest shower singer, you won't make a penny. <laughs> you've got to be, you've got to be out there and and getting seen. And you know, when when once your once your content gets seen, then the people decide. And I I, I used to have a, I didn't write for a long time because I didn't think I was any good. Uh, and then I just thought, you know what? I don't care. I want to share this information and it might not be brilliant you know the, the the five things i wanted you know i wrote i think one of the first articles i wrote was four tips to be to improve your leader leadership today smile more talk more listen more praise more now you don't need to be shakespeare to be able to get <laughs> that piece of information and I finally decided I, I wanted to do it. And, and what you'll find is once you start sharing it, if people don't like it, they'll let you know. And you'll, you'll probably find if the, if the quality of content is interesting, people will read it and share it. And you're probably a much better writer than you think. I've, I've had my works translated into 21 languages. I've written for Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur. And I can tell you, I am not a great writer. I write great things, I think, but I, I wouldn't say I was a great writer. Well, I find, Gordon, and I would suggest this to our listeners, I find your the things that you write, and I would suggest everybody go to Amazon and, and look up uh, Gordon Treadgold's books, um, but they are easy to to take in and, and think about it, and that is such that is so great, especially when you need a fast read. Because sometimes I, I have, we all have our bookshelf, and sometimes I just want to pick something up and go, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. I need to do more of that. And, and that's what I love about your books. It's like the thing that I've now taken it to the next level. Um, I was writing 500-word articles. Now I've actually created a... Um, a uh, one-page graphic so you don't even need to read the article I've pulled the tips out for you so people can just look at them and what I'm finding is that those are getting great traction because it, it's it's bite-sized pieces of information that people can look at and go yep got it I can now go do that and move on and those are the kind of things that people share because it brings them value and it allows them to share value as well yeah. Well, Gordon, on that note, you are a speaker. You speak all over the world. As I said, you're a fellow passport junkie. I know that recently you've spoken in Egypt, Turkey, Dubai, India, Austria. Is there is there a, um, a country or a place that your message doesn't make sense? I mean, everybody needs to know about leadership. <laughs> 
Um, no. So for me, I have a I have a social media following of half a million, and and they are worldwide. And I, I think one of the things that I was blessed with was when I worked for Henkel in Germany. I, I had a global team of a thousand people, uh, and I had people based all around the world. And and what I had to learn uh, doing that for seven years was that the I, I am quite a detail oriented person. But when you're when you're dealing with multiple cultures, multiple uh, primary language speakers that are not English, you have to simplify your message. Now that's not water it down. It's about boiling it down to the essence and communicate that essence clearly and, and succinctly. And I think that was a great learning for me having to do that. Uh, and the benefit of that is that now i'm able to do it in such a way and it's absorbable by anybody around the world who can speak english doesn't matter whether it's their first second or third language i try to write in a way that is simple that everybody can take the uh, the key messages out of it so you know i'm not suggesting dumb it down but maybe dumb down the way you pass that value on as if you were speaking to a you know a ten year old child if you, that you were trying to explain it to, and it, it doesn't it doesn't diminish it. It actually empowers it because more people will get it. I I think that's a great a great piece, and I I think that when you come up in business, sometimes you think I talk a lot about understanding executive language, oh, and yeah. the language of measurable results and speaking the language right things. Finance. Yes. Oh, the language of finance. I'm doing a whole series on the cost of, uh, what's the cost of this and the cost of that. But it is knowing when to apply that language. And yes. I think that's, that's, the, that's the trick. Well, Gordon, we are... Um, I'm talking about not using the language. I'm not talking about not saying it. I'm talking about saying it in a slightly different way. So I might, not, I might not use the phrase return on investment or net value. Um, but what I would do is I would try and find some simpler words that communicated that same thing so that everybody would be able to understand it. I think that's fabulous. So where have you not spoken that you would like to speak? So I'm, I'm speaking in India and... Um, I, I, so I, I reached out, so I used LinkedIn to tell all the people in India, hey, I'm coming to India, if you'd like me to come and speak. And a university in uh, just outside of Pune, they said, we'd like you to come and speak, but we'll pay for your travel, but we don't have any money to pay for you to speak. And I thought, okay, well, I'm in Pune, do I want to do that? And I, and I was kind of umming and ahhing, and the guy wrote back to me, he said, I might be able to get you invited to do a TEDx in Sydney. Oh my, well that's so said, a big leap. I'll be, I'll be there in Pune. So I'm gonna be speaking at this university in Pune because I'm, I'm hoping that that will get me onto the TEDx stage in Sydney. And my wife's told me I'm not allowed to just fly in for the day. <laughs> I, have to, I have to go for at least two weeks and take her with me. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to go and speak in uh, Australia. And particularly Sydney. Well, Gordon, we're we're at the end of our time. 
I so enjoy speaking with you. You are just a wealth of information and we can go um, look on Google and find all 1400 of your articles <laughs> that are posted out there in, in cyberspace. Um, any final thoughts for our business leaders and professionals that are listening? Yeah, I think if you're leading, whether you're leading teams or leading yourself, the simpler you can keep it, the, the easier it will be for you to be successful. So if you want to write 1,400 articles, don't, don't think about the 1,400. Just think about one a day. And it, we, we've just got to, the simpler we can keep it, the simpler we can communicate, the more people will have believing it's achievable and belief will uh, help drive the results. Well, thank you so much. Tell our listeners how they can find you and become, yeah. a, become part of your great LinkedIn group. So I am the only Gordon Treadgold in the entire world. Bizarre, <laughs> but true. So if you just go and Google Gordon Treadgold, you will find me. You can connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or you could email me at gordon at gordontreadgold.com. And I, I'll, I'll be happy to send you a uh, PDF copy of my book, Fast. I, I like to sell more copies of that, but I'm also happier that people are reading it than um, not. So email me and I'll send you a free copy of the book. Thank you so much, Gordon. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in for this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. If you can find an entrepreneur, a wonderful um, authority on a business topic that you think we should be speaking with, um, please send me an introduction at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. Thank you, Gordon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.